Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. Going into the summer, do you remember the message on pursue, overtake, recover all? So we are taking this very seriously in our household. What's very interesting about that phrase and that particular passage of scripture, major prophetic voices around the world have been releasing words on that passage all summer long which means that's something that God is saying to the body of Christ. And uh, it, it means that we need to take, and, you know, take stock and pay attention when God says something on repeat like that. So for us, um, we're, Wayne and I are in different spaces. So that for him was work-wise, business-wise, pursue, overtake, recover all. So he's been working his face off for the last month. Um, Mine was more about physical strength and rest, and so I have been resting for the last month, and it's a good combo. It's a pretty good combo, but you know, we had some little things like, um, for me, just going and doing, and and uh, what the last few years has been a lot of problem solving and a lot of just, um, you know, reasoning out how are we going to handle things, and one of my favorite moments, I uh, got to go on a trip this past couple of weeks um, out to Newfoundland because I thought I should see where most of our church comes from. <laughs> and I'm headed to the Philippines in October to see where the other half come from. And <laughs> kidding. It's beautiful though. Newfoundland is beautiful. And I was on a hiking trip. We did the East Coast Trail. But there was one day we were in the sopping rain. It was, you know, you, you book so many days to hike, and so we're going to hike all the days. And it's pouring rain, like coming down on an angle in sheets, right? And um, so we just decided to go. We're going anyway. We're going out. And we come, you know, down this trail, and we're two hours into it, and come around up on this cliff, and there's just beauty like it's just this open meadow and the waves are crashing and the rain is pouring and it's just it's just something something else it just feels um it feels special and so um I just had this sense I'm like said to my walking buddy I'm like do you mind if we just stop and worship for a minute she's like no that's perfect so we sit down in the pouring rain of my my uh my house hat from the church here and I can see like rain running off the front like a curtain of my hat and we just started playing um holy forever and we're both sobbing in the rain because the presence of God is so refreshing and so beautiful and so you know there was no um we hadn't done anything right he was just waiting for us to turn aside and spend some time with him. And that was, that was a go back and recover all kind of moment for me. Uh, in Wayne's case, we've had a lot of business stuff that's just opened up again this summer. And things that like during COVID we had to sell, we, we actually had one, one piece of equipment. He went back and bought the exact same piece back again. And we're like, recovering all, recovering all, pull that puppy home again. So praise God. Praise God for his faithfulness in that. And I want to encourage you, like these are not, when God gives us a word, it's not just like a pep talk. It's an instruction. Actually pursue, actually analyze what is it that maybe has been lost or forgotten or taken and go after it. Go after it with the Lord and recover all. Today, I'm, I'm stepping in with a prayer worth praying, and I feel like this is what God has been speaking to me uh, for us just in this season, and I don't know where you're at, but a prayer worth praying. 
And we know that we've been going through prayer stuff um, this past spring. We spent a lot of time talking about prayer, and it was not meant to just educate us. It was meant to change us. It was meant to change our perspective. And today we're going to go specifically into one kind of prayer that I believe the Lord is nudging us as we go into fall, the things that we need to to pray, and it's all about perspective. The kind of prayer that we offer to the Lord often gets filtered through how we see him. It goes through our filter of past experiences. It goes through our judgments of other people. And God wants to bring us back to the word, and we pray the word, right? Praying the word is always effective, but today we're going to get to a specific spot. And so, Lord, we just ask today that as we go into your word, that you would teach us, that you would instruct us, that you would cause us to know your heart, that you would help us, Lord, to hear your voice in what it is we're walking through. And Lord, that as we come into places of prayer with you, as we engage you, that we would pray according to your heart, according to your word, that we would pray in power. And Lord, we thank you that it is an effective prayer. It's an effectual prayer, that it will accomplish much. Lord, I thank you that you are transforming us, transforming our lives, our marriages, our homes, our families and positioning us for your purposes in this hour. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so when we talk about prayer, we talk about how we engage with God. We know there are prayers like Elijah, who prayed earnestly for rain. First, he prayed that it would not rain, it didn't rain. He prayed that it would rain, and it did rain. There was an earnest prayer. One of the things that we covered when we were going through our Praying Like Monks book was the, the concept of like that that consecutive, consistent prayer that he prayed, like seven days he's up there, and he, he or seven times he keeps sending his servant to go check, is there any cloud, is there anything, is there anything, is there anything? And then when he gets the report that there's like, there's a cloud the size of a man's hand, good enough, he takes that, that that's, God is moving, his heart is so ready to expect that God is moving, it doesn't take much to prove it. He just needs to see something is happening. So he, he has this thing where he's partnering with God and sees it. We see where Moses talks to God like a friend. So Elijah's talking to God in like this God of the universe kind of way. Moses is talking to God like a friend and they are partnered in leading people out. Jesus teaches us the model prayer, right? The Lord's prayer, the, the, um, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He talks to us about how we walk with God in, in inviting him into the daily situations of life. And then we also see Jesus who knew all things, who was fully God, fully man, prayed, not my will, but yours be done. So the prayer of surrender, the prayer of God, whatever you have planned for my life. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, one of our favorite verses, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Our culture right now, anxiety is like a buzzword, right? My anxiety. I'm struggling with my anxiety today. My kids have anxiety. My dog has anxiety. My everything has anxiety. We all have anxiety. This is the declaration of our culture. But this says, be anxious for nothing. Not just don't be anxious, but be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication, bring everything before God. It's telling us that the answer to anxiousness is a relationship with God. 
actually engaging him. It's not saying, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be anxious. I'm not going to be scared. I'm not going to be. It's saying that I am absolutely deciding to put my life in his hands. I'm partnering with him. This is a conscious choice that we step into. There's an exchange that happens. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. So I exchange anxiety through the process of prayer, and then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Do you know if you're a peaceful, happy, joyful person right now, you're a weirdo. <laughs> the very best kind, right? But honestly, if you ask, if you ask people around you, maybe even in your own home at present, like, are you anxious? Are you feel f- fearful? Are you nervous? Are you upset? That is the norm. That, that's the norm. But God's asking us to go countercultural. He's asking us to, in everything, come before him in prayer and let his peace guard our hearts. Let his peace guard our hearts. Um, I had a little experience. I, I know others have done this, but for the month that I was off, I was off Facebook. I missed your faces. I did not miss the drama, the anxiety, the upset, the anger, the rage, um, the conflict, the frustration. I didn't miss any of that. I just missed your faces. So switch to Instagram. It's better. Um, I'm kidding. All of it, just, there's just a lot out there. That's the thing. Have you ever noticed you can wake up in the morning, you got your devotions, you got your coffee, you're doing good, then you switch on your social media of choice and within five minutes you're like, <sighs> who gave them a position of power? This is ridiculous. You know, that could just be me, but I, it, it's about a five minute window. That's about my full capacity. So I have found that I have to in everything, even when there's like the weird announcements that you see, the decisions that get made, the stuff, you know, things like when we see, when we see things like fires in different places. And again, we're, we're so, um, in prayer about the situations that are going on, you know, in the Okanagan, the things that are going on in Northwest Territories, all over the world, the world is raging. But then when you hear these little news things pop up and it was man-made, <laughs> you know, like there's, it's, it's hard to not get worked up about things. It's hard to not get stressed. It's hard to not get sucked into the vortex of anxiety. But if with everything, in everything, with prayer and supplication, we bring our stuff to God, peace guards our heart. And when peace guards our heart, we're functioning properly. So this exchange that happens, this is one example of an exchange. But the exchange of prayer is a consistent thing that, that, that the Bible is full of. We're in a situation, we engage God through prayer, he produces a different outcome. So one of the most famous ones is the prayer of Jabez. And we're going to talk about this today. If you are, you know, grew up in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, this was part of your church world. Uh, In 2000, a guy named uh, Bruce Wilkinson wrote a little book called The Prayer of Jabez. It's just a tiny little book. You can still get it anywhere. Um, And then there was Bible studies that came out of it and devotionals that came out of it. But essentially, he broke down this prayer of Jabez. And it sold millions of copies, like seven or eight million within like a month. Like it just, it just exploded. And then it went from there. And it's, it's this little passage. It's a couple verses, literally two verses in the middle of First Chronicles um, that, that has this story that we can, we can learn a lot about the nature of God from. Comes just 
in the middle of nowhere. In fact, it's literally in the middle of a genealogy. So some of you, you may be doing the, like, read through your Bible in a year, and you're like, I've never heard of the prayer of Jabez. Um, It's in the middle of 600 names, literally. So if ever you were tempted to let your eyes cross and just glaze past it, that's one of the spots. It just, so-and-so begot so-and-so, who begot so-and-so, and had so-and-so, and so-and-so, and they had so-and-so, and so-and-so, and you're like... Okay. Every word serves a purpose, though. Every word has a reason. But the prayer of Jabez is tucked in the middle of this. And it's this this man who encountered God. So we don't know much about him. We do know that he lived countercultural. We know that he stands out. He's the one guy in the middle of hundreds of names that stands out and actually gets a little story. There's something that God says about him. It's kind of like when we read about the sons of Issachar who understood the times and knew what to do about it. We know that there's something about that group of men that was different than just everybody else on the list. So Jabez was like that. He did different than what culture dictated. Uh, The description of him is he was more honorable than his peers. He's more honorable. He chose to live with God. He chose to talk to God. And he chose to live in this prayer dialogue with God. We also know about him that God knew him, God heard his prayer, and God answered his prayer. So that means he's a pretty good guy to follow, right? If he actually got answers to his prayers, we want to know what it was that he was doing and how he encountered this move of God in his life. So 1 Chronicles 4, we're going to read it in the New King James. 1 Chronicles 4, 9 and 10. And this is, again, after all the begots, I'm going to spare you this. I could have started back from here, but I'm just going to jump into this moment. Basically, before this, all we know is there was other guys. After him, other guys. Okay. But this is what we know. Now, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. Fantastic. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. And I want you to just leave that up there for a minute. Now that, that phrase at the end, that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. Um, The New King James is the only version that says that, just for your information, including the King James. Every other version says, keep me from evil that I may not, that it may not cause pain, that it may not cause pain. So this is a bit of an unusual translation of this, but essentially his name starts with, he's, he's caused his mother pain and it ends, his prayer ends with, help me not to continue this process. Help me not to live in that. So we're going to walk through this. And, and essentially, number one, we want to understand your history does not define your destiny. Where you come from does not have to dictate where you are going. You may be the one who changes the course for your family and your generations. You might be the one who's breaking through. And one of the things that we know about how people function is when something is spoken over them, and sometimes it's not even a lot, sometimes it's just in a pivotal moment of development, um, it can become an identity. So like a school teacher or something saying like, you're stupid, 
or a parent saying, you never learn, you never listen, you never whatever, or a friend saying, everybody hates you. Nobody actually even likes you. Sometimes it could be a one-time sentence like that, and it becomes the identity that we bank our lives on. It becomes this thing that we, we just go, that's, that's who I am. And so sometimes it's that, sometimes it's on repeat. And we know that the word tells us that life and death is in the power of the tongue, right? So can you imagine the, the actual literal translation of Jabez's name is one who causes pain. Every time somebody spoke his name, they spoke this curse over him. Here's the one who causes pain. Great, here comes the pain maker. Honestly, what a pain. Jabez, you're such a pain. Everybody, from the moment you were born, you've been a pain. Can you imagine growing up with that kind of a title? Like he surely wanted to just be Bob, but no. So for anybody who's pregnant right now, do not necessarily pick up this name as a name option. It's not a great one. But his history, the packaging around him, it tells me that whatever his mother was going through, the circumstances of her, she named her kid probably not just because of that moment of pain, but she had developed like pain is surrounding the circumstances of my life. And so he's walked through this. It would have been so easy if we were, if we were you know, bounce Jabez into our culture, our timetable right now. We would just run him through layers of therapy to try and deal with the pain stuff. You know, like obviously you've got a belief system about yourself. It doesn't need to be that way. But because it's been spoken over him, his experience would have been if you were, if it was spoken over you that everywhere you go, you cause pain, wouldn't you look for the places you cause pain? Wouldn't you say, you don't probably want me to come to that party because I cause pain? You don't want to be in a relationship with me. I just hurt people. You don't want to be in a relationship with me. You don't want to, you don't want to be too close to me because everybody who comes near to me gets hurt. I just cause trouble everywhere I go. He would have had that dialogue running through his mind. And if he was in our day, we would have helped him find a way to cope with it. But God had a completely different answer. It wasn't about coping with it. It was about changing and reversing the lie. Some of us have a lie that we have believed about ourselves. I'm a failure. I'm a loser. Maybe you're identifying yourself with something you have done. I'm a liar. I'm an adulterer. I'm a cheat. I'm a thief. I'm broken. I'm damaged. I'm hopeless. We often pick up these things and we'll say, I'm, you know, I'm sick all the time. I'm poor. Whatever, whatever it is, something, a circumstance has become an identity. And so when this happens, when we, when we have an identity that we've picked up along the way, we have to look at somebody like Jabez and go, how does somebody who has a start like that have a finish like he had, where God heard him and answered his prayer? Number two, God is the one who rewrites history. What we want to pick up in this is it wasn't that Jabez did better. It was that God answered him and changed his future. Sometimes we will say like, I, you know, just because that's where I come from, that's not who I'm going to be. I'm going to be a better, you know, father than my dad was. I'm going to be a better mother than my mother was. I'm going to be richer than my family was. I'm going to pull myself up from my bootstraps. I'm going to, I'm going to do better than this. I'm, I'm going to improve that. I'm going to change this. Self-driven results are not sustainable. 
We will always come into places where we bump into the end of ourselves and we realize we failed and then we cycle backwards. Every time we try and drive ourselves out of addictions, out of brokenness, it's, it's me and my willpower and my strength and my, my resolve. It's just a matter of time before we hit the end of ourselves and we spiral backwards. But Jabez ran to God with it. He prayed to the God of Israel, contrary to what everybody else in his culture was doing at that time. In that moment of history, Israel was not really serving God. Again, honestly, if you read through the Old Testament, they were serving God less time than they weren't, or whichever. You know, they were outside of God more than they were in God. They're, they had a problem with sustaining this relationship with God. So when Jabez is in prayer, he decides, I'm going to call on the God of Israel. I'm going to call on the God of my forefathers. I'm going to call on the God who has actually done the miraculous. I've heard the stories. I've heard what he's done. I've heard of who he knew and who he loved and how he worked in their lives. I'm going to decide in this moment of my life, I do not have to live by my past. I do not have to live by my title. I do not have to live by my label. I'm putting a draw on the God of heaven. And God is the one who rewrote his history. Jacob was another one. You remember the story of Jacob, whose name gets turned to Israel, who's the father of the nation of Israel? But Jacob was born, he's a twin, and he, he grabs uh, the foot. Yeah, that's how it goes. So there's like this order of birth that comes, and Jacob actually, there's a trip, trip up in the order. And so Jacob's name means supplanter or deceiver because he was born in the wrong order according to the midwives. Poor guy, like his whole life, he goes around and he's got this label of being a deceiver, of being a supplanter, being someone who fools. Jacob has that name. He has that moniker until the day that he wrestles with God. And the day he wrestles with God and he, he gets in the face of God and he's got to solve this. He's got to sort it out like th this cannot be my future. And God's been blessing him along the way. Every time Jacob ha hits a wall, God blesses him and steers him in another direction and he increases him. But Jacob on the inside is struggling with who he is. And so he has this moment where the angel of God, we know that it's Jesus, shows up and, and works it out with him. And, and as the daylight is coming, they wrestle through the night. They struggle through the night. And as the morning is coming and, and, and God says, like, you have to let me go. Jacob says, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And so the blessing comes with a new name. And it comes with a new identity. And it comes with a new future. And in fact, it was the future that God had planned for him all along. It was the future that God had spoken to him from the moment of his conception. The plan, the purposes of God over his life came in that moment. The, the word Israel literally means let God prevail. So he carried the name, the title, deceiver, his whole life until he wrestled it through with God and he came out with the name let God prevail, let God triumph. See, some of us, we have to actually be willing to wrestle it through with God and say, okay, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Because I'm tired of listening to who everybody else says I am. I'm tired of living as I was. I'm tired of where I've been. Who do you say that I am? What do you say my life is really about? So Jacob wrestled it out with God and he becomes Israel. 
Jabez doesn't get a name change, but he gets a life change. Jabez wrestles it out in prayer. So Jacob wrestles it out physically. Jabez wrestles it out in prayer. And the prayer is the part that we can partner with. Now, the idea of the the Jabez prayer is that it's really quite self-serving, we would say. It's not about praying for others. It's not about, you know, bless the lost, heal the sick. It's this very internal prayer. So a lot of us are super uncomfortable praying it. A lot of us feel like it feels self-serving. Do you know that we are not doing anybody any service by living as less than who God made us to be? The best way for God's name to be, you know, expanded upon the earth is for his kids to live boldly in who he's made them to be and to carry the kingdom where he's called us to go, to live in the light, to walk in the light, to carry the good news of the gospel wherever we go. That's impossible if we're so internally focused on survival. So the prayer of Jabez is a super holy prayer, and we know that the Lord honors it because he listened and he accomplished in Jabez's life what Jabez prayed for. So the first thing that he prays is, bless me indeed. Bless me indeed. Now this actually becomes something that we can, we can just pray. If we're looking for like, what is some, something that we can just pray every day and speak over our own lives? There's four steps in this, so we're going to see them. And just lock them into your memory. Just lock the phrase into your memory. Bless me indeed. Bless me indeed. So Jacob wrestled and said, I will not let you go until you bless me. We know that blessing is a, is a word we read right from the beginning of the book, Genesis 1.22, when God's creating the earth, it says that the Lord blessed them. In fact, uh, yeah, Genesis 1.22, and God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply. It's this, this idea of increase and more than enough. In fact, that specific word blessing is used 400 times in the Old Testament of what God intends to do, what he wants to do. So it literally means, um, it's connected, it means filled, overflow, and to hold with open hands. Filled, overflow, and to hold with open hands. The other thing that's interesting about it is it's connected, it's partnered together with the same Hebrew word for prosperity. Now, prosperity is a word that gets a terrible reputation in church world because we've all heard of prosperity preachers and they get hacked online and whatever. Do you know the word tells us that God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants? He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. That does not necessarily mean a Ferrari. It might, but probably not. What the prosperity of God looks like, it's defined as having more than I need. Flourishing, success, roominess. I like that definition. Roominess, right? I have some space to breathe. It is sufficiency to be full. When God talks about the prosperity of his servants, he means that I have my needs met and enough to give and to bless. That's why it's connected to the word bless, which means hold with the open hands. It's not mine to go, look how much good stuff I have. Sucks to be you. It's look how much God has blessed me with. How can I bless you? 
How can I pour it out? How can I? I have what I need and then some. I have enough to give to every good work. I have bread for eating and seed for sowing. God has blessed me. It's not even just financial. It's about the capacity that you carry. It's about your time. It's about your relationships. It's about what is flowing in and through and out of your life. It's about not walking on empty all the time. Have you ever had that feeling where you just like, I got nothing left to give anybody? Then pray for God to bless you. Believe that God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. There's this thing that happens where we trick ourselves into thinking that, you know, there's verses like where Jesus said, you know, the the son of man has nowhere to lay his head and whatever. The whole process of Jesus's life was about him humbling himself to serve and being with the people. He didn't walk around just trying to be as poor as he could possibly be. Jesus's needs were met. When it was time for the Passover and time for the, the supper to be served, he was like, go ahead. Somebody's going to provide a room for us. Get the meal ready. There, there was no begging going on. Jesus paid his taxes. Jesus fed his guys. Jesus multiplied bread and fish. Jesus had something worth bargaining over when they took his clothes from the cross. Jesus did not live in utter poverty and, 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 and suffering. He humbled himself. And he had what he needed and he blessed beyond that. I'm not saying Jesus walked around with like, you know, buckets of money, but Judas was the treasurer. So they had somebody who was taking care of what was necessary. What are the areas in our life that we need God to bless? Our time, our relationships, maybe our finances, our health, whatever, that we would have enough and then some. Enough to give, enough to serve, enough to bless, enough to love. Enough to not say, I just have to turtle in the corner and survive. I want to pour it out. So this is the kind of blessing that Jabez prayed for. And he said, bless me indeed. And the word indeed that he tagged on there, it's like the equivalent, the, the, uh, one commentary said it's like the equivalent of adding five exclamation marks. So like, really bless me. Honestly, I grew up being told that I cause pain everywhere I go. God bless me. Bless me. Help me have enough to live and to give. Help me have enough to live and to give. Some of us are literally uncomfortable praying for that. If I, if I was to just do a survey and say, how many of us are uncomfortable saying, God bless me? A lot of us would say that feels really awkward. God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Psalm 35. So the blessing comes. It's more than enough. It's the idea of giving. Jabez was asking God to move on the plans and the purposes of heaven for his life. Because if from the very beginning in Genesis, God said, be fruitful and multiply, and he blessed them and sent them out. The blessing of God was God's intention for Jabez's life. Not pain, not causing pain, not living in pain, not causing suffering, not living in suffering. God had intended for Jabez to be blessed. And so in order for us to pray, God bless me indeed, we have to believe that we are tapping into what is God's plan for my life. God plans for me to be a blessing. 
I want to be the one who can get called upon to serve, to give, to love, to nurture, to care. I want to be in a place where I am walking in the blessings of God and I'm ready to overflow. There's something that's coming out of my life. Bruce Wilkinson, who wrote the uh, Prayer of Jabez book, said, personal change begins when you cry out to God for what he wants for you with hands open and heart expectant. Isn't that good? That's a good way of putting it. Personal change begins when you cry out to God for what he wants for you. God, what do you have planned for my life? How do you want to pour through me? What is it that you want to put in me so you can get it through me? What is it that you have planned? When we say, you know what, I'm just content. I, I love how uh, Jordan shared last week and he said, you need to ask to be provoked. I, I out loud amen at that one. We need to ask God to provoke us. Contentment is the crisis of our age. We just want to get to a place where we're content. And we, we buy whatever we have to to be content. No, we need to be provoked to ask God, what is it you want to put in my life? Which takes us to the second one, which is enlarge my territory. Enlarge my territory. And some of us really struggle with that one. We're good with what we got. I don't want more territory. That sounds like work. Sounds like responsibility. Sounds like, sounds like you know, I'm, I'm accountable to people. Okay, expand my territory. Literally, expand me means help me reach more, go higher, dig deeper, and influence further. Territory means boundary, borders, or influence. So it means help me reach more. So whether I need to have more, maybe my business needs to grow, my position, I actually need to take a, a different position at work, I need to step out in different areas, whatever it is, however the, it, the territory needs to expand, it is so that I can influence for the kingdom of God. It's so that I have places and I have a voice. We could put it another way. We could say instead of influence, we could say prominence. Give me enough prominence in people's eyes, in the situations around me that I can express who God is. Nobody listens to somebody who has only me and my four. They listen to the ones who have influence. Mother Teresa didn't live in grandeur, but she lived with great influence. She was blessed indeed. God measured out for her what she needed and then some. And her overflow, she poured out. And she asked God to expand her. And she stretched into every open space that he gave her. And Mother Teresa could have stood on any platform in any country of the world and made an announcement and people would have stopped and paid attention. Why? Because she was living in this kind of a relationship with God. We, we can get, again, tricked into, I don't need, I don't need to be known. I don't need a lot of, I don't, don't need a lot of people in my life. I don't need a lot of influence. I don't, I don't need a lot. What does God want for you? What does he want to do through you? Are we limiting him? And often we are because that's the comfort zone. I'm comfortable with what I can control and what I can measure, but God, give me influence. And with that influence, let your purposes be served in my life and through my life. Psalm 16, five to six says, oh Lord, you are the portion of my cup. You maintain my lot. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. 
In other words, the, the psalmist is saying, like, God, when I pursue you, you decide where the boundaries are. I don't set them. I don't say that's where the limits are. You set them and I'm just after you. And wherever you decide the boundary lines are, they are good. They are pleasant. This is a good life that you have given me. I've stepped into this with you. Sometimes we need to decide to allow the Lord to provoke us to look for more. And again, I, see, when we talk influence, this is not the same thing as buying influence on social media and having X amount of people thumbs up whatever you post. That's not real influence. Real influence is when you have the people in your life that you can speak into, that you can bless, that you can bring uh, the word of God, that you can minister to them, and they actually receive from you in some fashion. And so this influence, it's carried out their part of the calling. So what if, what if you have this nudge on the inside that you believe God's calling you to be increased in your finances, in your business or whatever, and then you bump into the wall of, but that's pride and that's probably just weird. That's, I don't want to bite into mammon or whatever. What if, let's say there's 10 other families that God's calling you to be supportive of in their ministry, but because you don't want to say yes to God in increase, they will have to find another way. What, what if you're that piece of the puzzle? What, what if it's about taking responsibility for a group of young people after school? What if it's, you know, about taking, taking somebody under your wing at work and actually allowing that to, to be part of your life, that you care about what's going on with them? You actually allow the Lord to increase your territory. So let me just give you a, a few quick things that um, are apparently systematic for why we don't ask God to enlarge our territory. Number one, I'm too shy. I'm afraid of new people and new situations. And I wonder, can I take territory for God from the safety of my own couch? And the answer to that, if that is you, is Hebrews 13, 6. I'm not even going to read it to you. Oh, yeah, okay, well, I'll read it to you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. So there's a God answer, right? Number two, I'm ungifted. I am so ordinary that I'm practically invisible and I don't have a special gift. How can God make me an influence for him? Your answer to that is Romans 12, five to six. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that has given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. And then it goes on with the different giftings. That was one of the things I was gonna say with the, um, you know, even having four weeks away, you know, we, we got to tap into, we, we did online church. So we did, we worshiped in our house. We got good messages. You know, it's not the same as being in fellowship at all. Why? This is one of the reasons. Because we all have a gift and we're all coming to give to one another and to pour out with one another. That's real life. What's the, that's what the body's supposed to be. Some of us are afraid to ask for more territory because we are, number three, afraid to fail. I'm afraid that God will take me out of my comfort zone and I'll get in too deep and blow it. And I hate to fail. I thought that phrase was super telling. I hate to fail. So Psalm 18, 31 to 33 is the answer for who is God except the Lord? Who is a rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of deer and sets me on high places. 
It's him that does it. It's not about me failing or succeeding. It's about God doing it. Number four, I am reluctant to surrender control. Anybody? If I let go of control, I worry about what God will do to me. Will he send me to the worst place on earth? Will he make me give away my prized possessions? What's he going to do? Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. We sang it this morning, tricked you into the declaration by the beautiful tune. (sighs) But let us present ourselves as a living sacrifice. It means I am surrendering control. Number five, and this is a big one in the north, I am overextended. I don't have the time or resources. In fact, I am already far too busy. The answer to that is Philippians 4.19. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. It means that there's always space, that God will always provide, that there's always room in him. But we just have to be willing to say, God, you expand my territory. I'm not expanding it. I'm not making it happen. You make it happen. Number, uh, the third one, C, let your hand be upon me. Let your hand be upon me. So Jabez is praying. Again, he's come out of this place that he's lived his whole life up until this point as somebody who causes pain. And he decides to swim upstream and get in the face of God and ask God to bless him to expand his territory. And he says, let your hand be upon me. The hand of the Lord is the anointing of God. It is about working and walking with uh, him, working and, and walking with us. And it is particularly about presence. God's presence with us. This is very similar to what Moses prayed in Exodus 33, 14, and 15, when God was sending Moses out into the promise uh, that he'd given him and Moses is like, we're not going without you. And God's like, I've made a way before you. I'll send an angel with you. And Moses is like, we're not going without you, period. And God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then he, Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. I love this particular passage because God says, my presence will go with you. And Moses is like, if it doesn't go with us, if you don't go with, we're not going. He's like arguing with God, like just making sure, like seriously, of all the things that we could have, nothing is more important than his presence. His presence with us. This is a thing to pray. If we're asking God, what are, what are the things that we need in our life? We need his presence. We need his anointing. We need his hand upon our lives. And if you do a little study and you read through the word, every time it talks about the presence of God or the hand of the Lord being on somebody, something supernatural happens. I mean, it is about God moving in ways that we cannot move ourselves. It's him doing things that we cannot do ourselves. It's him showing us things that we couldn't see on our own. It's him anointing and increasing and expanding and opening doors for us that we could not open ourselves. It's God making a way where there is no way and transforming the course of our life. When his hand is upon you, nothing can stand in the way. Jabez is praying, God, okay, bless me indeed. Expand my territory and let your hand, let your presence rest upon me. Let me be somebody who walks with your fingerprints all over my life. Is that the cry of our hearts? 
Is that something we desire? Is that something that we're actually asking God for? Acts 11:21 says in the book of Acts, it, it's describing this move of God. And it says, and the hand of the Lord was upon them and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Revival happened. A move of God happened because the hand of the Lord was upon them. Are we asking for that? Or are we asking God, just give me strength for today. God, help me get through this work day. You know my boss. Just, Jesus, take the wheel. Help me. Help me get to Friday. Lord, give me. I mean, isn't it different to pray? Like, let your hand be upon me. I am walking out in whatever I'm doing. I'm walking out into, you know, the gravel pits. I'm walking into the police force. I'm walking into the schoolroom. I'm walking into Tim Horns. I'm walk Wherever I go, I am walking and the hand of the Lord is upon me. He is blessing me. He's expanding my territory. I am on assignment today. I am looking for a place to be blessed and to be a blessing. I'm looking for somebody to minister to. My eyes are open to be used by God. I'm aware that I'm carrying him wherever I go. And so that watches my mouth for me. I am in peace. I'm not anxious. I'm not bent on the inside. I'm actually walking in confidence in him. And I'm looking for opportunities because the hand of the Lord is upon me. Isn't that like a great way to do life? Doesn't that sound like a great way to do life? First Peter 5, 6, and 7 says, Therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. That is so different than asking God to help us. This is my plan. Would you come along and bless it? Nope, what's your plan? I'm coming along to submit to it. Totally different approach to life. I am telling you, I believe what we're moving into, the season that we're coming into, God is asking us to ask him the right questions. God, would you bless me indeed? God, would you expand my territory? God, would you cause your hand to rest upon me that I would walk in your presence wherever I go? And the fourth thing, keep me from evil. Keep me from evil. The King James Version says that thou would keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. The Amplified says, keep me from evil so that it might not hurt me. In other words, he is praying protection over himself, over those he loves, over those he's been called to influence. He's recognizing that if I am blessed indeed, if my territory is expanded, if the hand of the Lord is upon me, I've become a walking target. And there is temptation that would love to draw me aside. There, there, is, there is obstacles that would love to present themselves in my way. There is an enemy of my soul that seeks to devour me. He's seeking whom he may devour. He may not devour everybody, but he's seeking to find somebody he can. And so included in this prayer is God keep me from evil that it might not harm me or that I might not cause harm. God, help me to be in that place where I'm under the shadow of your wings. I'm under your protection. I'm not guarding myself. You're guarding me. Your peace is there for me. It's this covering. James 4, 6, and 7, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. All the first things lead us into this thing. But some of us drift into, if we're just living in pain, 
Let's suppose we're living a Jabez kind of life and we're living in pain and everything we've known is pain and we've got this soundtrack that goes on in our mind that says we, we experience pain, we cause pain, everything we touch turns to garbage, we're not successful, we're never going to get ahead, we're always going to be poor, we're always going to be living with more month at the end of the payday, we're always going to have not enough, we're always going to hit every virus that comes and it's going to knock us out. We are absolutely the victims of everything that goes on around us. The enemy comes to see who he can devour. And he's like, wow, snap back. There's, there's a really easy treat. When we walk and we go, okay, God has delivered me. God has been my rescue. God has been my hope. God has transformed my life. God has seen me. God has pulled me out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a solid rock. I am firmly fitted on him. When the winds come and the the waves come, the wind blows, there's a storm all around me. I stand firm on Christ, the solid rock. He knows me. He loves me. He's ransomed me. He's paid the full price. He's got a plan for my life. He knows my name. He knows my plans. He knows the future he's purposed for me he has knit me together and he will finish what he's begun in my life devil shut up I am blessed indeed my territory is expanding I am moving forward I am growing in him I have influence and the enemy does not get to have a piece of this thing I am submitted to God I resist the devil and he must flee he must flee come on now some of us need to change the way we approach the throne of God. This did not offend the Lord. This did not offend the Lord. It says, so God granted him what he requested. So God granted him what he requested. When was the last time you asked God for something big? When was the last time you said, thank you, Lord, for everything that you have done. Thank you, Lord, for every place you have brought me through. Thank you, Lord, for what you have rescued me out of. And now I am asking for more. I am asking that you would bless me indeed. I thank you that I can trust you to be my provider. You are Jehovah Jireh, my source, my provider. I thank you that it is you who gives me the ability to make wealth. And I'm grateful, Lord, that we have enough. And I'm asking for more than enough. I am asking for the kind of blessing that I can look to bless. I can look to pour out of finances, of time, of emotional resources, of energy, whatever it is. I have enough to bless. God, I'm asking you to increase my territory. Help me to find even one more person that I can influence with the good news of Jesus Christ. Help me find one more place where I can live in the light, where I can speak love, where I can walk into a broken situation and speak peace, where I can speak the deliverance of God, where I can speak the power of the Most High, where I can pray for somebody who's hurting, where I can shift an atmosphere. God, give me one more place, one more person. Expand my territory. God, let your presence be with me. Let your hand rest upon me. I don't want to go. These things I've just asked for, I'm not going without you. 
It might be the promise. I might be laying hold of the promise. But if you don't go with me, I'm not going. So God, I'm asking for a tangible sense of your presence in my life. I pray that I would feel you, that I would hear you, that I would know you, that it would be evident that the fingerprints of God are upon me, upon my household, that our family is blessed, that we are marked by you. When people are in trouble, they come to us because they see this as a safe refuge, God. And we get to minister Jesus. We get to minister love. People see us as not the ones who always need to be helped. But God, we get to be helpers. We get to be givers. We get to be lovers. Come on. And keep me from evil. That there is no harm that comes in and causes anything. Do you know there is all waves of teaching that talk that every time you step up into ministry or do something that you're going to have backlash and the enemy's going to take you out. Let me just say hogwash. That is utter garbage. Yes, there's a target. But when we are moving in God, we submit ourselves to God and the enemy must flee. We do not have to accept it. We do not have to say, gosh, every time I step out, I just get smacked in the head and knocked on my back for weeks on end. Why would you step up next time then if that's the case? We need to say, God, I thank you that you've called me into this. And I thank you that you go before me. You are my front and my rear guard. I thank you, Lord, that you are my defense. I'm hidden under the shadow of your wings. Lord, I thank you that you surround me, Lord. And as I step out in you, your hand is upon me and you keep me from the evil one. There is no harm that can befall this household. And so, God, we step out confident in you. You have blessed us indeed. You have increased our territory, God. Your hand is upon us. Devil, take a back seat. We are moving. Come on. Come on. Let's stand together this morning. I'm going to have the worship team come and we're going to sing Jehovah one more time and declare who he is. But I want you to hear this. Some of us are better with alliteration. So we are asking God to bless us enlarge our territory let your hand be upon us and keep us from evil if you're looking for some p words to remember you are asking god for prosperity and it's not a cuss word it's not a cuss word the lord takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants it means you have enough to give you are asking for prosperity you are asking for prominence you are asking for presence and you are asking for protection God, I come before you today. Even in this house, we gather together. And Lord, we are asking you to bless us indeed. We are asking you to bless us indeed. That we have not just the bills paid and the needs met, but enough to give, enough to pour out, enough to speak life into places that need life. Bring light to places that need light, God. Pour love into places that need love. God, we're asking you to expand our territory, God. We're asking for, for a measure of prominence that matches your heart and your plan for us, Lord, that we would measure up according to your measure, God, that we wouldn't set the boundary lines for ourselves, but we would lean into your boundary lines where you say we are to go, where you say we are to reach, Lord. God, we thank you for your presence with us. And Lord, we pray that anyone who 
encounters us as individuals, as families, as this house, God, that they would encounter your presence. Lord, that there would be peace, there would be joy, there would be love. God, there would be a move of your spirit. We're asking for signs, wonders, and miracles following the preaching of the word, God. We're asking for a place where people can come and encounter the living God. And Lord, we thank you that as we step out, and even this week, God, as we do summer on purpose, we thank you, Lord, that you keep us from evil, that no evil thing can come near this dwelling place, God. You keep us from harm and you keep us from causing harm. Lord, that there's a protection in your presence. God, we thank you, Lord, for changing the mantra of our lives that we don't live by self-made, man-delivered limitations, but God, we expect more. We lift our eyes and we come up to the place where Jabez was, God, that he was more righteous than all his brethren because he engaged heaven and he partnered with your kingdom come, your will done in his life as it is in heaven. So we speak that over us and over this house, God, your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and Lord we thank you for it we thank you Lord for blessing us indeed expanding our territory letting your hand rest upon us and keeping us from evil and we thank you Lord that this is the prayer that you answer in Jesus name amen thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie you can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.